안녕하세요. Good morning, good morning, my dear brothers and sisters, clergy and members of office. 안녕하십니까. Today I'd like to talk about God's idol family and the kingdom of peaceful and ideal world too from True Mother's Anthology Volume 2. Let's invite our beautiful honey and study True Mother's Word. God's ideal family and the kingdom of the peaceful ideal world too. God created Adam and Eve and established them as the first ancestors of humankind to form the model family, and established the ideal of peace. He committed himself completely to raising them as his son and daughter, joined with him through true love, true life, and true lineage. Therefore, if Adam and Eve had achieved individual perfection in accordance with God's will, that is, if they had achieved the perfection of their character and entered into conjugal relations with his blessing, then they would have attained complete oneness with him. God would have dwelt within their union. Also, their children would have been linked to this holy order of love, enjoying a, enjoying a direct relationship with God as their parent. In other words, the marriage of the perfected Adam and Eve would have been God's own marriage. While God is forever God, Also, Adam and Eve would have become the embodiment of God. Adam and Eve would have become God's body, and God would have settled inside their minds and hearts to become humanity's true parent in both the spiritual and physical worlds. Do you know what has pained God's heart most, causing him the greatest grief over the long history since the fall of Adam and Eve? God lost his lineage, and with it, God lost the basis of human brotherhood and even his ownership over the creation. God's lineage is more precious than life itself. Without it, the fruits of true life and true love never matured. They became instead the fruits of Satan, lacking any relationship with heaven. From them descended the 6.5 billion people now covering the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, lineage is more important than life and more precious than love. Life and love come together to create lineage. Lineage cannot be established if either life or love is missing. Therefore, among the three, love, life, and lineage, lineage is the fruit. God's lineage contains the seed of true love. God's lineage provides the context and environment for a true life. Yes. Do you know what has pained God's heart most? Causing him the greatest grief over the long history since the fall of Adam and Eve. That is that God lost his lineage. You know, God's loyal lineage. And with it, God lost the pace of a human brotherhood and even his uh, ownership over the creation. God's lineage is more precious, precious than life itself. Without it, the fruit of the true life and true love never matured. 
Lineage is more important than life and more precious than, precious than love. Life and love will end when you complete your physical life on earth. But lineage will remain eternally through your descendants. Life and love come together to create lineage. Lineage cannot be established if either life or love is missing. Therefore, among the three, love, life, and lineage, lineage is the fruit. God's lineage contains the seed of the true love. God's lineage provides the context and environment for true life. But the problem is that lineage has an uh, attribute that once a man and woman become one in body, it goes on for eternity. This is the problem. Due to Adam and Eve forming blood ties with Satan, the lineage has been passed down forever. Right? Strictly speaking, no one can change the bone of the blood lineage once it is wrongly established. It is not God's blood that is flowing in our bodies, but the blood of our ancestors who commit sexual immorality. There is only one way to change from the evil blood lineage to the good blood lineage. There is no other way besides engrafting onto the true blood lineage. Therefore, if we do not engraft our lineage onto true parents, the subject partners of true blood lineage who came as a true ancestors, we can never be born again into true blood lineage, which is God's lineage. Therefore, in order to be engrafted onto the true blood lineage, we must completely deny ourselves, both internally and externally, and in mind and body, and live a life of being born again, and ultimately receive the blessing from true parents and be engrafted. That's why the principle of the engrafting is really incredible. I to cut off myself. Completely deny myself. 100%, And that is the condition I can, you know, get a heavenly blood lineage through our two parents. Engrafting, right? Wow, really. Without knowing divine principle, we do not understand. When you're talking about the blessing, his blessing is what? Talking about the lineage, right? Changing the lineage from satanic blood lineage to God's blood lineage. Living divine principle, human history is the history of the providence on restoration to uh, centering on the progress of religion and science. Let's study EDP. Progress of religion and science. Second, considering the progress of religion and science, although they have been working independently with little connection to each other, religion and science inevitably must converge. Today, they are on the threshold of reaching this destination where they will resolve all their problems together in one united undertaking. This trend shows that human history has been walking the providential course to restore the original world. Yeah, let's just study Father's work. The banner of unified science. Since the narrow, specialized field, specialized 
fields within science correspond to the disassembly and separation of machine parts. This can cause the paralysis of the unified function of a whole science and can cause a setback in fulfilling its mission. But fortunately, under the banner of unified science, scientific truth has been unified and organized into one uniform philosophical and scientific system by some pioneering scientists. This achievement must be highly regarded. It is an historical event comparable to unification thought emerging to establish new modern values by unifying all thought and religions into one. Realizing a unified world. Since the function of science is to improve the physical life of human beings, unified science will make greater contributions than ever before. Originally, human beings were to have unity of mind and body. Also, human social life is the unity of spiritual life and physical life. Accordingly, an ideal world is a unified world of love and creativity. Therefore, the improvement of physical life alone can't realize a truly happy world. Unified science must inevitably unite with unified thought in order to realize such a world. On the foundation of unified religion and science, a prosperous world, a happy world, a unified world of goodness will be realized. The old system and old thought will finally disappear and the ideal unified world will be realized by a new system and new thought. Yes, science until now has gradually developed while being, you know, uh, fractionized, but under the banner of unified science, scientific truth has been unified and organized into one uniform philosophical and scientific system by some pioneering scientists. This achievement must be highly regarded. It is an a uh, historical uh, event comparable uh, to unification uh, thought e emerging to establish new and modern values by unifying all thought and religions into one. Therefore, the world of the true philosophy uh, of the, uh, the therefore the world of the true prosperity for mankind can only be realized when all science up to this day are united, centering on unified science and all ideologies and religions are united, centering on unified thought. Originally, human beings were to have unity of mind and body. Also, human social life is the unity of a spiritual life and physical life. Accordingly, an ideal world is a unified world of love and creativity. Therefore, the improvement of physical life alone cannot realize a truly happy world. Therefore, the improvement of the physical life alone cannot realize a truly happy world. Unified science must inevitably unite with the unified thought in order to realize such a world. On the foundation of unified religion and science, a prosperous world, a happy world, a unified world of goodness will be realized. Wow, our 
divine principle guidance is very, very clear, right? Internally and externally, you know. And aiming for the happiness of humankind must become the purpose of science as well as religion. Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, today's youth ministry, what is the most important thing in life of faith? Let's just study. What is the most important thing in a life of faith? What is the most important thing in a life of faith? First, it is for me to arm myself with the word. Second, it is for me to serve Abel. I can set my conscience right only when I have an Abel, who is the subject partner. In your life of faith, there must be someone around you who can act as a model. If I do not serve Abel, the subject partner, I cannot set my conscience right. People who do not serve their Abel just do as the physical body wants. If the physical body controls the conscience, the conscience will be tormented and be in pain. If you make the physical body the subject partner, the conscience will have no way to be liberated. Therefore, one who always lives by setting their conscience on the vertical line, centering on the word, is a wise person. Abel must be someone who always sets my conscience on the vertical line. If we always set our conscience on the vertical line and live serving Abel, God will take responsibility over us. In other words, if we set the antenna of our conscience and always get checked by Abel, the spirit world will take responsibility over us. Yes. What is the most important thing in life of faith? First, it is for me to arm myself with the word. After arming myself with the word, I need to out those words into practice in my life. The second important thing is that practicing the word must start with the life of serving. A life of serving starts from the life of serving my able. If I do not practice a life of serving, there will never be a way for me to eradicate my fallen nature. You cannot just be stimulated by the word. You need to serve able. Without serving able, without serving people, how to eradicate your fallen nature? I can set my conscience right only when I have an able. When you serve an able, and then you all kind of the fallen nature come out, right? And through attending able and serving able, you know that how to set my conscience right away. Who is the subject partner? Even if this able has shortcomings and is not greater than me as sometimes, if I attend them, believing that they are someone set up by heaven, then heaven will walk through such a sincere attitude of mind. Heaven will test me by setting up an able figure who is less than me. <laughs> you cannot ignore able thinking that they are younger than you or less experienced or received the blessing later than you. If you just believe that heaven set this, this able, then heaven will take responsibility for the rest. That's right. You, Father said, even serving your children as God, you need to respect your children. You know, then 
Heavenly Father, true parents, put anyone as my able. Does not matter age. Does not matter what kind of category person. Once God puts someone as able, you need to really trust him and respect him, even though he guide the wrong, given wrong guidance. But as long as you have the right mindset, right attitude, serving him, even though he made some mistake, wrong guidance, God surely will be responsible because you have the right attitude. Surely God guide you. This is the principle. If you trust somebody, even though that guy is something, create something wrong thing, but God has to be responsible because I absolutely trust. In your life of faith, there must be someone around you who can act as a model. If I do not serve able, the subject partner, I cannot send my conscience right. People who do not serve their able just do as their physical body wants. Able must be is someone who always set my conscience on the vertical line. If we always set our conscience on the vertical line and leave serving able, God will take responsibility over us. In other words, if we set the antenna of our conscience and always get checked by able, the spirit world will take responsibility over us. Next. The reason I go to church. People who go to church because of the organization are all fake. The reason I go to church is to set my conscience right. People who go to church because their conscience has people it longs for and people it respects are certainly sincere people. When you go to church, you must have the heart that goes because of missing Abel. When you return home, you need to have the heart of going back because the couple longs for each other and their children. Parents who have this kind of mindset are conscientious parents. People who long for others do not assert themselves or build themselves up. This is the essence of longing. If we long for the word and yearn for God, we would not think of anything else. When we are full of longing, we do not think of anything else. If you live longing for the word and people with this kind of longing heart, your own sins will be cleared. How can there be sins if the subject and object partners have longing for each other and become one? Sin is a self-centered life and habit. Wow, very important guidance. If the physical body controls the conscience, the conscience will be uh, tormented and be in pain. If you make the physical body, the subject partner, the conscience will have no way to be liberated. Therefore, one who always lives by setting their conscience on the vertical line, centering on the world, is a wise man. The reason I go to church is to set my conscience right. When I set my conscience right, there will be surely be people I long for. When you connect to God, Okay, centering your conscience right away, right away. Automatically, you miss God and longing for the Father. So when you're going to the church, those who go and have people they long for and respect through their conscience are certainly sincere people. 
when you return home, you need to have the heart of the going back because the couple longs for each other and their children. Parents who have this kind of mindset are conscious parents. People who long for others do not build themselves up, but always live centered on others. This is the essence of longing. If we long for the world and the yearn for God, our mind will not lose to some other horizontal thoughts. Longing is the essence of a heart, simjong. When we are full of longing, we do not think of anything else. Whatever we do, try to uh, try doing so full of longing and because you really want to. There's nothing that cannot be accomplished with this. If you long for the world, your own sins will be cleared. If you really long so much for God, there is no sin. Your own sin will be cleared. If you long for Abel and become one with, one with him, your sin will be cleared. When people long for people, their sins are cleared. This is because longing does not come out when you do not live centered on others. How can there be a sins if God and human beings, husband and wife live, parents and child and the subject and partner live, longing for each other and become a one? Sin is a self-centered life becoming a habit. Self-centered life doesn't have any longing heart because only just live for your own sake. One who truly serving others, living for the sake of others, ultimately, ultimately you can create longing heart where there is a longing heart between heavenly parents and each one of the uh, children of all mankind. Satan cannot invade anymore because longing means occupied by true love. Where there is true love, there is a longing heart. Next. Self-centered people do not have a heart of longing. Since sinners live self-centeredly, they do not have longing. But sins are removed from those who live longing for their subject partner, able, family, and children. What kind of sin is there in that? There is no sin in the heart of a mother who longs for and loves her children. Similarly, those who long for others will gradually lose the concept of me. Self-centered people do not have a heart of longing for others. So, if you undergo a lot of training to deny yourself, you yourself will disappear and only the other person remains. In the end, you become a person without sins. However, people who live, people for, who live for themselves are sinners and dead. Such people are like people without a conscience. That is why there is something you need to check each day. That is, do I have a heart of longing? Do I have a heart of attendance? If you just have a heart of longing and a heart of attendance, you are thought of as a resurrected person. A resurrected person means a conscientious person and someone God can work with. The attitude of faith that God can be with 
is when the subject and object become one and respect each other. Yes. Since sinners live self-centeredly, they do not have a longing. Do you know what is a sin? Sin is having no longing. Originally human beings or original nature are full of longing, cannot separate. Sinners are those who do not have longing for God and others. They just live by the flesh and centered on horizontal bones. People of original nature are people of heart. Since people of the original nature live longing for their subject partner, family and children, their sins disappear. There is no crack for Satan to enter when you are full of longing for God. That's why the mind of sexual immorality disappears for people who truly, truly long for God and truly long and yearn for the word. The self-centered mind disappears. If you have the strength of the longing for heaven and the world, you can defeat any of Satan's temptation and tests. I say this once again. Self-centered people do not have a heart of longing for others. Who likes people who live self-centeredly and only assert themselves? Such people will become very lonely people in the end. So if you undergo a lot of training to deny yourself, you yourself will disappear and only the, the other person remains. In the end, you become a person without sin. However, people who live for themselves are sinners and dead. Such people are like people without conscience. That's why uh, there is something you need to check and each day that is, do I have heart of longing? Do I have a heart of the attendance? If you just have a heart of the longing and heart of attendance, you are thought of as a resurrected person. Final slide. God comes into the Trinity. The state in which the subject partner and object partner become one centered on God is a state where the Trinity is created. God comes into the Trinity. If you know this principle clearly, you need to adjust your life towards the direction God wants. And your relationship with your subject partner must become a relationship in which you respect and long for each other. You can never forget this relationship. Can a couple of longing forget each other? If a parent and child become one through longing, can they forget each other? They cannot forget each other for even a moment. How can you forget if you were bonded by heart? When the relationship between the word and me and the relationship between Cain and Abel forms a trinity centered on God and we become closer in heart, nobody can separate it. That is why we say to live exchanging hearts with one another. It is to live resurrecting each other. Yes, the state in which the subject partner and object partner become one centered on God is a state where Trinity is created. God always works centered on number three. That's why God comes into the Trinity. That's why we always need to create a foundation centered on minimum of the three people. Even God is really, you know, he's a champion of a teamwork. 
before creating human being and all things, he created three angels as the assistant, right? So God working together with angels. God is a champion of teamwork, century number three. A public life is when three people first become one. If you know this principle clearly, you need to adjust your life toward the direction God wants. Three people becoming one means that it must become a relationship in which you respect and long for each other. Can a couple longing forget each other? If a parent and child become one through longing, can they forget each other? They cannot forget each other for even a moment. If you were uh, bonded by heart, you can never forget each other. When the relationship between the world and me and the relationship between Cain and Abel forms a trinity centered on God, and we become closer in heart, nobody can separate it. That's why we say to live exchanging heart with and longing for one another. Only then will you live lives of resurrecting each other. Today, I talk about what is the most important thing in life of faith. Self-centered people do not have a heart of the longing. God comes into the Trinity. Beautiful guidance, right? Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Young, for such a wonderful message about the heart of longing, heart of attendance, and so much more. So with that, we're going to go move into our uh, testimony for, to, for this morning. And for that, we've got Miss Debbie Scott from the Capital Church, from the Capital Family Church, excuse me, and she'll be sharing about her outreach efforts. All right, Debbie Scott, the floor is yours. Thank you, Ricky. You're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> and also a warm, warm welcome to our dear new brother, Joseph, joining from Liberia today. We're so happy to have you with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, yeah, so back in October, I think it was on like October 7th or so, uh, Dr. Yong, uh, I was in, in uh, uh, a breakout room and then I ended up being on sharing with everyone. And I pledged to have three spiritual children by the end of last year. Well, I didn't actually get three spiritual children, meaning people who know that true father is the Messiah or you know things like that. But I did was able to get um, four mem people to join, you know, sign membership by um, December 31st. But I realized that that wasn't enough. They really needed to be more educated than what I was just doing, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And so I decided to have home meetings. Actually, the first one was in December. And uh, so I've just been having home meetings. Um, I kind of did it the same way. Uh, first of all, thank you. I don't want to mess up your name. Irian, who uh, put these slides together. Irian. Oh, Irian. Okay. Thank you, Irian. And also thank you, Tal, for um, going to the slides. But anyway, this is the meeting that we had in December, the one on the left. And so basically, it's, I, I started, the, those of us who are first gen, you remember when we met the church, we all went to, we had family night, and it all started with dinner. And uh, we broke bread together and had fun together. And then came the spiritual food. Uh, so I decided just to follow that uh, same thing. 
and it's a potluck. So people bring dishes. Uh, I do the main dish and then um, people bring side dishes and desserts. So it works out really well. And it's really nice because we have, as you can see in the photo there on the left, uh, a very diverse crowd. <laughs> we have everything from uh, an accountant is on the far left uh, to people who drive, you know, Uber Eats and everything in between. And so it's really nice because during dinner, people are able to share and get to know each other. That's really cool. Oh, I forgot to set the timer. Shoot. <laughs> I hope I don't go over seven. You have to give me a I sign, Tal. Okay. And so um, basically, uh, then the second meeting we had there was the first meeting in January. And I want to say a special shout out to Don Mikowski. Actually, Don, I could not do any of these lectures, any of these presentations without you. You are so valuable and you're such an amazing presenter of Divine Principle. I'm just like so touched. You make the Divine Principle come alive. And our guests have all been so touched by your presentation. So Don, I just cannot say thank you enough, enough, enough. And if anyone in the team DMV area, uh, DMV area wants a good lecture, call on John. You can't have him on Monday or Wednesday nights because that's when he comes to my house. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm also very grateful. There are um, special brothers and sisters who have brought gas consistently over the time since December, or the first one was in January where people, other people were bringing guests. And a special shout out to Jeff Boyd. So Jeff drives all the way from Baltimore, which is like an hour away. And he brings at least two, sometimes three guests. And even sometimes part of the, the routine was to fill up three gallons of water so that he could fill up his transmission to make the trip back home. So anybody else would use that as an excuse not to, not to travel an hour to go here to find principal lecture, but not Jeff. He's amazing. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff, for all your support. And then also Andrew Weinman consistently brings guests, as does uh, Don Mikowski has had guests. And... Um, Libby Jo Henkin, she has, uh, there's one coworker that she um, witnessed to many years ago. You see Libby Jo there, she's in the picture there on the bottom. Uh, she uh, witnessed to a lady at work a couple years ago, and now uh, Gloria, and now Gloria is bringing her husband. So Gloria is there right beside Libby Jo to um, Libby Jo's right, and then her husband's right behind. So that's the couple that Libby Jo is bringing. And they are so wonderful. And they are so attentive. And uh, I'm so blessed that they, they join us as well. Yeah, and then um, let's see who else brings us. Anne-Marie Weinman uh, and Otmar Weinman also bring guests. There's Dawn in action. And they don't have the dates underneath here, but basically... We have had uh, meetings every single Monday. And then, um, well, starting on January 25th, some we started on Wednesday ones as well because some people couldn't come on Monday. So we said, okay, we'll have a makeup one on Wednesday. So, but then Wednesdays take on a new life of itself because Dr. Ashiel has asked that Desiree's guest 
uh, Emmanuel, both from uh, Ivory Coast. So there's, there's a brother from Ivory Coast. So he's bringing his guest, Emmanuel, on Wednesdays. So now we have a, a Wednesday cycle as well. And um, we just gather in our living room. And then Don, as you can see there, unfortunately, he couldn't play guitar. Um, Shin Taylor has and uh, Don Mikowski have both played the guitar and serenaded our people while we've been having um, dinner, creating like a, a plush restaurant ambiance of great music. And uh, so thank you, Shin. And of course, Don. And um, so some of the guests, where do my guests, some people, oh yeah, I should say, you know, to get started, I had some real hurdles to overcome to decide to have these meetings. First of all, you know, I'm, uh, I'm divorced twice. And uh, so not having an intact blessing for me was a real hurdle. Like, oh my gosh, how can I invite people to my house and talk about the blessing and I'm not even blessed. So that was a real big hurdle for me to overcome. So that was kind of in the gap between October and December. <laughs> and then another thing, full disclosure, I am not Betty, Betty good housekeeper. And everybody knows. So then I had to like, you know, really, I have to keep my house clean and I'm not always successful. So that was also a huge hurdle for me to overcome as well. So thank you to Andrew Weinman, who's come and helped me clean my house before a meeting. Thank you. Um, anyway, I'm just being honest. It's, I've had, <clears throat> had to overcome a few things to, you know, to do this and just, but many, many of it was in my mind. So, and then also the second meeting we had, you know, half an hour before the guests were arrived, I was in a car accident and somebody rear-ended me. And it was right before the fall of man lecture. And it was, I knew it was Satan attacking, you know, that we wouldn't have the fall of man lecture. So, I mean, <clears throat> there've been a lot of different kind of attacks. So you just, you know, keep it moving, right? Um, yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, so then you can see uh, some of the guests. So basically, um, yeah, we've had, well, maybe the last slide, hopefully we'll, yes. I don't have the synopsis of how many. Uh, oh yeah, oh, there we go. So there've been different uh, amounts of guests. Sometimes it's only one or two. And sometimes I think the most we've ever had is 10. And uh, some of them join online as well. So I have one lady in Oklahoma City that I'm trying to hook up to the city, uh, there, but she's a regularly attends. And also one lady in Ohio who used to live here in Maryland, she attends as well, virtually through, um, through Zoom. So yeah, welcome to my home. You guys are seeing what my home looks like here. And uh, we have dinner and then at Dawn gives the lecture. And then afterwards, I bring out the dessert uh, or open up the dessert that someone brought. And then we have a, we have conversation and sometimes the people converse. I think the latest people who ever stayed was 3.20 in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, getting on morning devotion that morning was a little bit challenging, but we did it. And um, yeah, people have a good time and they're starting to really get it. And then also a lot of these guests uh, then have been to the one day workshops. Shout out to Robert Avendroff, who holds the one day uh, divine principle workshops. And this last photo is on the one on the far left. 
on, on the, the right with the orange shirt. That's my son. He's the resident photographer. And he's the one who takes the pictures at the end of all the meetings, um, you know, of everyone who's there. So, and I also want to say thank you to Ingrid and who always brings a good dessert and to Arlene who helps clean up. Oh yeah, that last slide. Arlene and then um, Otmar, Joe Taylor, Mary Johnson and Tom Lee who also come regularly and uh, support our um, home church, Bowie home church meeting. So anyway, if you're in the area on Monday nights where it all happens, you're all welcome to come. Joseph, if you were in the area, you'd be welcome to come as well. But yeah, just come and bring your guests and bring a little side dish or something and join the fun. So basically it's been a total of 29 home meetings. Um, yeah, the five of us who have brought guests, uh, 20 guests have made a total of 137 visits. There have been uh, 316 people who have heard Don's lectures. Well, I gave a couple of them, but mainly John. And uh, 14 guests have attended the one day workshop. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, if there's any time left, Don Mikowski maybe can share. I don't know if there's any time left, but I'd love mm. for Don to say hi. Okay. Well, I'm sure we have the time for Don, Don to say hi, if you want to. I'll just give you about a couple seconds. Am I on? <laughs> More than a couple of seconds, but yes. Okay, thank you, Ricky. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to Debbie because uh, what she's done is amazing. Um, you've heard of dinner and a movie, right? Well, what she's created is dinner and the divine principle lecture. And uh, it's incredible because it, it's a good format. I hope that we can duplicate this all over America, actually. I feel like we're pioneering something because when... Um, People come for dinner. They're already in a good mood, right? We have a few songs before we start. And uh, the lecture is the word of God. It's powerful. It opens people's hearts. And they seem to get it. And then afterwards, when you serve dessert, people are happy, right? And we're sitting around having these discussions about spirit world, for instance. We talked for over an hour that night. And some people stayed till 11 or 12. I didn't know they stayed as late as 3.20 in the morning. But... Uh, <laughs> The average is probably 11 or, or, or midnight, which is, wow. you know, on a weeknight, that's incredible. So uh, Debbie has created a wonderful thing here, and God is working. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. When you get up to teach the principle, it's not you speaking. It's really God speaking through you. And uh, if you just prepare well and do your studies, you can feel God is there. And uh, it's just such an honor to teach all these wonderful guests. So thank you all, and uh, we'll continue. <laughs> and thank you so much, Uncle Don. Well, I guess overall, thank you so much. And Debbie, Don, Jeff, Gloria, and Marie, Sarah, so many people that helped out with this operation. I'm feeling a lot of warmth from you guys already. And I can't imagine how warm your guests must feel attending. And they certainly do if they're staying past midnight on a weekday. <laughs> so with that, thank you so much for that lovely testimony. I can't wait to hear even more. Annyeonghaseyo! Good morning, good morning, my dear brothers and sisters, clergy and ambassador for peace. Annyeonghaseyo! 
Today, I'd like to talk about God's idol family and the kingdom of peaceful and ideal world too from True Mother's Anthology, Volume 2. Let's invite our beautiful honey and uh, study True Mother's Word. God's ideal family and the kingdom of the peaceful ideal world too. God created Adam and Eve and established them as the first ancestors of humankind to form the model family and establish the ideal of peace. He committed himself completely to raising them as his son and daughter, joined with him through true love, true life, and true lineage. Therefore, if Adam and Eve had achieved individual perfection in accordance with God's will, that is, if they had achieved the perfection of their character and entered into conjugal relations with his blessing, then they would have attained complete oneness with him. God would have dwelt within their union. Also, their children would have been linked to this holy order of love, enjoying a, enjoying a direct relationship with God as their parent. In other words, the marriage of the perfected Adam and Eve would have been God's own marriage. While God is forever God, also Adam and Eve would have become the embodiment of God. Adam and Eve would have become God's body, and God would have settled inside their minds and hearts to become humanity's true parent in both the spiritual and physical worlds. Do you know what has pained God's heart most, causing him the greatest grief over the long history since the fall of Adam and Eve? God lost his lineage, and with it, God lost the basis of human brotherhood and even his ownership over the creation. God's lineage is more precious than life itself. Without it, the fruits of true life and true love never matured. They became instead the fruits of Satan, lacking any relationship with heaven. From them descended the 6.5 billion people now covering the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, lineage is more important than life and more precious than love. Life and love come together to create lineage. Lineage cannot be established if either life or love is missing. Therefore, among the three, love, life, and lineage, lineage is the fruit. God's lineage contains the seed of true love. God's lineage provides the context and environment for a true life. Yes. Do you know what has pained God's heart most? Causing him the greatest grief over the long history since the fall of Adam and Eve. That is that God lost his lineage. You know, God's loyal lineage. And with it, God lost the pace of a human brotherhood and even his uh, ownership over the creation. God's lineage is more precious, precious than life itself. Without it, the fruit of the true life and true love never matured. Lineage is more important than life and more precious than, precious than love. Life and love will end when you complete 
your physical life owners, but lineage will remain eternally through your descendants. Life and love come together to create lineage. Lineage cannot be established if either life or love is missing. Therefore, among the three, love, life, and lineage, lineage is the fruit. God's lineage contains the seed of the true love. God's lineage provides the context and environment for true life. But the problem is that lineage has an attribute that once a man and woman become one in body, it goes on for eternity. This is the problem. Due to Adam and Eve forming blood ties with Satan, the lineage has been passed down forever. Right? Strictly speaking, no one can change the bone of the blood lineage once it is wrongly established. It is not God's blood that is flowing in our bodies, but the blood of our ancestors who commit sexual immorality. There is only one way to change from the evil blood lineage to the good blood lineage. There is no other way besides engrafting onto the true blood lineage. Therefore, if we do not engraft our lineage onto true parents, the subject partners of true blood lineage who came as a true ancestors, we can never be born again into true blood lineage, which is God's lineage. Therefore, in order to be engrafted onto the true blood lineage, we must completely deny ourselves, both internally and externally, and in mind and body, and live a life of being born again, and ultimately receive the blessing from true parents and be engrafted. That's why the principle of the engrafting is really incredible. Completely cut off myself. Completely deny myself. 100%, 120%. And that is the condition I can, you know, get a heavenly blood through our true parents. Engrafting, right? Wow, really. Without knowing divine principle, we do not understand. When you're talking about the blessing, is blessing is what? Talking about the lineage, right? Changing the lineage from satanic blood lineage to God's blood lineage. Living divine principle, human history is the history of the providence on restoration to uh, centering on the progress of religion and science. Let's study EDP.